Check my statistics If we talking about go, You gotta give me a mention This is rational hour If we being realistic This is rational They said I couldn't do it But I did it work Ethic like mom But you know that boy is a problem Tell me when to get him Then I got him This is rational hour I'm just keeping it a honey This is rational hour Everything you doing I done done it Welcome to the Rational Hour, Ryan. On today's show, we have an NFL vet in the building. 13 years in the league, two Super Bowl rings. Ron Poole, how you doing, sir? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great, Ryan. Thank you, and uh, hello to all of your listeners. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you taking the time. We're halfway through the NFL season, Tyrone, man. It's, it's been a real uh, roller coaster, a lot of unexpected things. What are the some of the impressions you have of the NFL season so far halfway at the halfway point? Well, of course, I guess you look at it, people probably are wondering what's going on with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, me personally, um, you know, of course, injuries and everything like that plays a part. But uh, me personally, I think the um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, exposed a little bit of uh, Kansas City and uh, the NFL and other sports, they are a copycat league, especially in the NFL. So, um, you know, Andy Reid, I think he's a great coach. Um, he's done phenomenal everywhere that he's gone. But I think, you know, everybody has figured out Kansas City. Plus, you know, you only have a certain amount of time. Uh, let's just face it, you know, that you can produce. Uh, you can go back and look at the Seattle Seahawks. You know, the, <laughs> they had a great defense and <clears throat> a pretty good team. And um, But everything has to reinvent itself. Everything has to go through that process of, of, of starting back over. You know, even the economy, you know, the economy. That was a time where, you know, money was booming. And then we went through a depression, so to speak, and the system had to reset itself. So everything has to reset itself. The Patriots, you know, they're resetting themselves. And, and then you have teams like the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, who have been resetting themselves for years almost. And um, look like they got something going on uh, in Cincinnati. Um, so, you know, Cleveland, you know, you thought that they would uh, – honestly, I thought they were going to turn the season, you know, on his ear, you know, they did all the acquisitions and, uh, you know, still yet, I don't see them being that team uh, that they were hoping they would be uh, to win the Super Bowl. So you look at the Atlanta Falcons, you know, down south, you know, they struggling, got a new coach. But I don't think people here in Georgia really thought that the Falcons would struggle. Uh, the Cowboys, you know, Jerry Jones, he's always going to do whatever he can, you know, for Cowboy Nation. <laughs> so the Cowboys are looking pretty good. And I just noticed and just saw where the uh, Los Angeles Rams, uh, they went out and, um, you know, they got Von Miller. So, you know, I'm like, you put, <laughs> oh, man, they're going to have a him and Aaron Donald. Um, I'm like, Ooh. if those two people can't get to the quarterback, man, I would love to play cornerback uh, in in that secondary so uh but yeah that's that's my point uh of of you know what i see so far last month john gruden was let go from his job as head coach with the las vegas raiders um he made some uh disparaging emails and comments about demarcus smith roger goodell and the lbgtc uh community was it the right call letting him go and and what did you feel about that situation you know, first and foremost, you know, I'm not condoning anything that anybody says or anybody does when it's attacking, you know, individuals. Uh, but I do understand that we live in a sensitive world. We live in a sensitive world right now. And, uh, it, you know, it's just unfortunate that um, with technology, um, you know, you always got to got to watch what you say and what you send, you know, uh, it may come back and, and bite you. So but uh, I think there are some factors that probably played into it uh, that were more deeper than others. Um, and 
you know, again, we just live in a world where it's so sensitive and you can't say the things that you could say before. I know when I was coming through uh, playing sports, um, you know, my coach would grab me by the helmet, the shoulder pad, you know, put his hands inside mm-hmm. the shoulder pads and try to get my attention, you know, pulling me closer to him or uh, grab me by the face mask. You know, uh, I didn't see that as no, um, you know, point that the person is trying to undermine me, make me feel less than uh, who I am. No, uh, the coach was trying to motivate me to get me to get focused. And I think we live in a sensitive world where people want to be individuals. They want to be individuals, but they want to have group uh, access. And uh, I don't think the world works like that. I think, you know, um, just using sports as an example, if we are to win in this world, we have to be one. Uh, we have to be one. Um, we have to understand the same way. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta uh, speak the same language. We gotta think the same way. I think when you have a lot of rules and regulations, I think it just calls for more chaos. And um, uh, but with uh, Gruden, of course, I know he probably, um, you know really is apologetic for anybody that he's offended. Um, I'm pretty sure there are players that will stand up for him. But in this sensitive world, you got those people who really say, hey, you know what? John is not that type of guy. They're not going to really say anything because uh, a few of them are probably not going to say anything, even though they know the truth. But they're scared of what the world is going to say to them or, or fire back. Um, but then, of course, there are people who are going to say, well, yes, John is that type of guy. He So, again, you know, we live in a sensitive world, man. And, uh, you know, um, um, I think people even got got on Tony Dungy for saying what mm-hmm. he said, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we live in a sensitive world, man. And, um, you know, it just social media, it, 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 social media, everything, man. It, it's just, you know, that's a topic, man, you could talk about because it goes deeper than John mm-hmm. Gruden. It goes deeper right. than John Gruden. Just like when Kaepernick did what he did, it, it was bigger than uh, Colin Kaepernick. Uh, mm-hmm. And then when you start scratching down to the real surface of that onion, as they say, it really starts stinking. And that's what people mm-hmm. don't want, man. They really don't want the truth. It's almost like that movie, you can't handle the truth. People say they want the truth. They don't really want the truth, man. They don't really want the truth. So spe- speaking of that, Tyrone, uh, should the NFL release those emails or should they to kind of brush it under and let it go water under the bridge? Now, you never brush anything up under. I, I definitely disagree with uh, that being one of the uh, answers. You don't brush nothing. You know, you, uh, I always say, you know, there's no and we've heard this, there's no dumb question. The only dumb question is the question not asked. So, you know, if you want to get answers, you got to ask the questions. In order to ask the right questions, you got to see the knowledge. You got to, you got to see the evidence. You see the evidence, then you get knowledge. And then when you get knowledge, the proper use of that knowledge will help you win battles. And right now we're battling, uh, like I said, so many uh, rules and regulations. And if we want to do the right things, then we got to get knowledge. And if we use knowledge correctly, then we can um, stop or hinder or completely uh, alleviate all this confusion. Okay. So is is that that? So you saying they should release those emails? Is that what you're saying? What I'm saying is, whatever it takes to get knowledge, whatever it takes okay. to get knowledge, okay. whatever it takes to get uh, an understanding, so that we can correct all that is wrong. And I'm speaking on that not only from the NFL, but in general mm-hmm. in life. Okay. In life. Okay. Okay. So recently, October third, Foxborough, Tom Brady returned to Patriots, uh, New England. And it was a, a, you know, the world was watching Belichick versus Brady. Uh, I'm pretty sure everybody was probably looking for that game, man. That that that, that was probably one of the like other than the Super Bowl, the World Series, which is being played now. Uh, you know, the NBA Finals or the 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 the, the Stanley Cup. You know. Uh, People wanted to see that game. You know, of course, you know Tom played there all his career there. So yeah. you know, I've been in that situation where there's a team that I played for uh, when I went to Indianapolis and got traded from the Colts, I would say from the uh, Panthers. Um, I couldn't wait. Uh, and we happened to have the Panthers on the schedule. 
uh, for mm. the year. So uh, I couldn't wait. So I know it was something that was not only big for the fans, but it was big for Tom. And, uh, you know, of course, Belichick, again, like I said, these two spent uh, 20, 20 years together, man. So I always like to say that uh, Tom is a part of Bill and Bill is a part of Tom. You know, there's mm. some things that Tom uh, learned from Bill and there's some things Bill learned from Tom. So, um, and I think, you know, if I had to say, you know, you know, call a spade a spade, uh, I would even go to the point to say that um, uh, Bill actually helped more of getting Tom to the position where he is. Uh, and both of them helped each other, but I think Bill helped Tom uh, and Tom probably agree with me, I believe, that Bill actually helped him get to where he is. Um, and uh, he appreciated everything. Uh, it's, just, it's almost like I put it in another ca category because I know going to be some people who probably disagree with that just because they want to dis disagree with that statement. But look at it like this. With your son or your daughter, if they turn out to be a lawyer or a doctor or a Fortune 500 owner, but you say that they did that without your help. You can't say that because right. you actually had to birth them. You birthed your child and then you nurtured your child. And then as they right. got older, they started to develop and understand their gifts and skills. And then they were able to take over and turn it into what it is. So right, that's why right. I say Bill is a part of Tom. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that, that's a good analogy with the kids. I like that. What, what do you... You know, one thing that was big before the season started to run was Asante Samuel, a former Patriot. He he said Bill was just another coach without Tom Brady. Do you agree with that? Obviously, I mean, that was a huge statement. Was he right for saying that or that's just basically his opinion? I think, you know, you know, Sante's a good guy, um, you know, played with him and everything. But I think, you know, sometimes we speak out of turn and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we get caught up in a moment, um, mm -hmm. you know, because my question would be to anybody who makes a statement about anybody, period. Um, I always look at the time that that statement was made. And uh, let me go back. I'm even because I always like to tell analogies so people kind of understand. So you can't get right. I say twisted. I heard a wise man say he he gives information overload because you would have to hire somebody to help you misunderstand what he's telling you because he's giving you so much information. Preach. Yes. So I do know that guys or people who work in corporate America. You never say anything when you're being employed by that person or what mm. have you. So my thing is, it's just like Adam and Eve, you know, I'm gonna get a little biblical here. Um, mm. You know, there's before the sin and after the sin, you know, mm. God's purpose before the sin and then God's purpose after the sin. So that's what I say. What is the purpose of people's responses and, and, and reactions? You know, mm. what was it like before? Mm -hmm. OK, was that person, you know, why didn't why did why did you wait until now to say everything, mm -hmm. you know, like even mm -hmm. with Bill Cosby, I'm gonna go a little bit deeper as well, whether it's Bill Cosby or anybody. Why now? Why now, people? Why now? Uh -huh. So even if it's politics, why are they coming out with this stuff now? Usually they come out with stuff because there's a purpose behind it. And, you know, so because, uh, you know, if if they were trying to get um, the right answer or correct things correctly then you would have corrected it like you said sweeping it sweeping it up under the rug no mm. you would have gotten it correct the first day that you saw that it was wrong so mm. you know uh why wait so my thing is again you know people's reactions and what they say i always try to take it with a grain of salt but i try to say okay why and what is the reason behind uh your answer now why didn't you say this before the patriot way what does that mean to you? Uh, to me, it just means that, uh, you know, I think that's something that, the, you know, uh, sometimes people give titles to people, you know, and, mm -hmm. you, you know, if you're having success, um, you know, people going to try to give you a label. That's what the media does. Uh, mm -hmm. That's what people do. You know, nicknames, you know, uh, you do something great. Oh, man, we need to give you a nickname. And mm -hmm. um, so the Patriots way, I think, is everybody's way. You want to mm -hmm. win you know, you the Patriots way is just like the same as Microsoft way. <laughs> it's the same <laughs> as uh, whatever elementary school your kids are in, their way, or the high school they go to, their way. 
So I don't. I think it's just a principle uh, of saying that this is how we do things. You know, mm-hmm. here in Georgia, you know, our way is you got to have a Georgia license if you want to mm-hmm. drive your car. If you want to get certain things here in Georgia, well, Texas may say, well, here, here in Texas, we pay tolls. It's the Texas way. So again, I think that's just a, a principle, a play on words, so to speak. But uh, in New England, it's just, hey, this is the way we're gonna do it. You know, you yeah. either are, are 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 for us or you are against us. Yeah, yeah, high standard, basically. Now you played uh, in the O three championship, one of the great teams, fourteen and two, um, going against the the Colts with Manning. You know, going against Wayne and Harrison. Uh, just a great matchup and a great championship, freezing cold in Foxborough. What are your memories of that game, and and how epic was that victory with those two uh, epic quarterbacks? Now, actually, I'm going to take it back even farther into the season. Um, We go to uh, Indianapolis to play the Colts, and Mm -hmm. uh, we had lost that game. Um, Mm -hmm. That's why you got to give people history, Uh, talk about a little bit of history. Uh, before the current event, but we played Indianapolis in Indy that year. And if we had lost that game, the AFC championship game probably probably played in Indianapolis. Uh, But because we beat them, uh, they had four uh, cracks uh, to score. Yes, the one yard line. And that was probably the best man i know it's the best goal line stance that i've ever been a part of and i'm probably sure i'm pretty sure that's probably the best goal line stance that ever been in one of the best goal line stances in nfl history i'm like they had four cracks uh in the one yard line the first first play i think they passed it was incomplete uh then uh the second one i think they came back and they tried to run uh they got stuffed and then uh they took a timeout and then they came back and they tried to throw a pass again uh incomplete and then uh on fourth down uh they tried to run and that's when william mcginnis uh shot the gap so to speak and hit edrin dead in the backfield man and everybody taking their helmet off and running and high-fiving. So that led, I believe, to the point that we were able to play them in uh, Foxborough for the championship. But, um, you know, it was another great game. And, um, you know, it's, they had a high-powered offense. And, uh, you know, our defense, we were going to play man-to-man. And, uh, you know, had Ty Law on one side and Rodney Harrison, Eugene Wilson, and myself, Asante come in. And, um, you know, we had a, you know, William McGinnis, Mike, Vrabel, uh, Ted Washington. I'm like big Ted, Ooh. man. I'm like, shoot, Ted was probably one of the the, the hidden uh, centerpieces because you know we ran a three four, and if you don't have that big nose tackle to run, you know you can't run a three four. And big Ted Washington, he would take up at least two people every time, so he made it he made it easy for Brewski and you know everybody to maneuver and and. Um, you know, make those plays on defense, but it was a heck of a game. And, uh, you know, uh, we ended up coming out on top and, you know, going to, which was my first ever Super Bowl. Our defense, um, uh, what made us so unique was again, uh, we just had talented guys, man. And the one thing I say about our defense was uh, we played cover one a whole lot, man. We were a real high percentage uh, man-to-man uh, team uh, in uh, 03, you know, dog, dog one. That was the call. Dog one, dog one. So William McGinnis and Mike Vrabel and, you know, them guys going to come off the edge, man. And, you know, we'll throw cover two in there as well. But we were mainly a uh, man-to-man cover team in 2003. And now you touched on it. The 03 Super Bowl versus the Panthers, man, a great game. Uh, 32 to 29, Pats. Uh, national anthem, Beyonce, the um, infamous Janet Jackson, Justin Timberlake, uh, mal, uh, malfunction with the, with the wardrobe. <laughs> I thought they were playing. You know how they do as far as uh, they try to do stuff to get their you know attention to get their name back out there. I, I think it was probably uh, I, Janet. I, Janet. I, I okay. Talking. I'm just talking. I don't know. I don't know. Nothing. I don't know. <laughs> now, what, what do you? The game was a great game. I mean, you know, 
the Panthers were kind of one of those surprise teams, and, and you guys were kind of a more of a veteran-laden team. What were your thoughts going into the Super Bowl? Great, great game, man. And I know people always say, you know, Tom won those Super Bowl. Tom won those Super Bowl. Hey, Tom is a heck of a player. But I always say that's that kind of like that Patriots way, so to speak, that you were speaking of. Everybody just do your job. You know, Tom did his job. Um, you know, they uh, it started off with that kick. I know a lot of Panther fans would be like, ah, oh, don't take us back there. But, uh, hey, you know, I'm a Panther fan at the heart as well. You know, that's the team that brought me into the NFL. And it was kind of like a, you know, I, uh, ironic situation or come full circle situation. But uh, it started off with the kick. You know, it went out of bounds. Uh, John Casey, and then we get the ball in great field position. And, you know, a couple of plays here, uh, a couple of plays there. And uh, next thing you know, Adam Vinatieri coming in and kicking the field goal. So when I say the Patriots way, that's the Patriots way. Everybody just do your job. And if everybody do their job, do what you're supposed to do, then victory is supposed to be there for us. Yeah. How um, how emotional was that playing against your, your old squad? and? going against Steve Smith and, you know, Jake DeLome and that whole Panther offense? Well, again, you know, I remember back in 1995 when we first had our first um, initial uh, – own uh, when Mr. Richardson came in as the owner to have his first meeting uh, with the, the team. Uh, which 95 was the inaugural season, inaugural season for the, the Panthers. And he uh, told us that he had a 10-year plan to get the um, Carolina Panthers uh, into the Super Bowl. And, um, you know, what was so funny about that year, also, I got to put a little bookmark. What was so funny about that year that people were, people sometimes would call us uh, the Charlotte Panthers. Welcome. You know, it's the Charlotte Panthers. I'm like, it's wow. the Carolina Panthers, you know. So when you're new, that's how much people, you know, kind of like forget who you are. But they even said that on Monday Night Football, you know, the Charlotte Panthers, you know. But, but so, you know, people are so used to saying the team based on the city that they're in, you know, that right. Falcons, the Dallas Cowboys, you know, um, and stuff like that. So, but anyways, uh, Mr. Richardson comes in and he says, I got a 10 year plan. So from 1995, you mark off 10 years, you know, he was pretty much doggone on, on spot, you know, and it was ironic that I'm there still with the plan that he had, put in place but now i'm playing for you know someone else but uh we all you know said what's up and you know shook hands and hugged and you know some of some of my old teammates were still there you know musian muhammad and some of the coaches and you know so it was a uh, uh you know real good uh heartfelt moment you know, at that time. So, uh, you know, they did a phenomenal job to get to the Super Bowl, beating the Rams. Uh, and, you know, it was a it was a great game, just like all Super Bowls. You know, they are yeah. great games. Did you guys know about the Janet Jackson, Justin Timberlake halftime thing after after the game? Did they talk about it? No, you know, the one thing I do remember again with that Super Bowl is um when Beyonce, you know, of course we were the home team, right? So um mm -hmm. Uh, we were um, uh, actually I was right in front of her when she was singing. Uh, so we're the home team. So she has to face the home side. So um, the Panthers started backside. <laughs> but, but, um, um, <laughs> but, uh, but um, you know, so I'm, I'm like, you know, uh, that's the closest I've probably been. Uh, to Beyonce since, uh, but um, uh, to see her sing, you know, the national anthem and everything, mm -hmm. and then because uh, that's where she's from, you know, Houston, uh, you know, the Texas mm -hmm. area, so to speak, the Houston area. So, um, and then halftime, we never see the halftime because we're inside. Uh, mm -hmm. So I was able to see uh, Beyonce and be, you know, right up close. Wish I'd had a camera at that time, but uh, I guess the only camera lenses I had and would keep will always be my eyelids. And, you know, I tried to blink them as many times as I could to capture as many pictures, but, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so the Janet Jackson thing, Justin Timberlake thing, you know, we didn't know anything about that, but like I said, all these musicians and people, they always try to do something to grab attention so the more attention they get, whether positive or negative, it helps them sell uh, records. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and Beyonce wasn't really 
Well, she was kind of big at that time, right? She was. Yeah, Destiny. Yeah, she, Destiny. Yeah, Destiny. Yeah. Child. Oh, that stuff. Yeah. So she was uh, up there. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, going back to back, Tyrone, uh, from oh, the back to back Super Bowls from 03 and 04 with uh, the Super Bowl against the Eagles the next year. I mean, that's one feat that you just don't see in the NFL going back to back. I mean, that's such a huge accomplishment. Now, how big was that for you guys, and was that something you guys knew you could accomplish? Well, um, you know, it, it, it's tough. It, it, it's tough to uh, go back to back. Um, you know, I, I even go back. I'm going to go back uh, before we got to Super Bowl 39, um, how Super Bowl 38 came about. Um, we actually were two and two. Um, I believe two and two or one and two when we went to play the, the Washington football team uh, known back then as the Washington Redskins, but now currently the uh, Washington football team. And uh, we lost, we lost to them. And uh, that kind of, I think that was, that put us uh, two, one and two, I believe. And uh, from that moment, you know, we had our meeting and like you say, the Patriots way, you know, you know, we, you know, we knew we were better than what we put on, uh, put out there. And uh, from there, we won 21 straight games that allowed us to win back-to-back uh, uh, Super Bowls. And we ended up uh, losing, breaking that streak against the Steelers. That's because we had a lot of injuries, a lot of guys that were out, and the Steelers end up, ended up breaking that streak. But um, it all started after that Washington uh, football team lost um in uh 03 and uh but to go back to back um it's it's tough you know you don't have a lot of teams <clears throat> that have accomplished that uh the green bay packers uh back in the 60s did it uh 66 67 you got the dolphins uh 72 73 and then the steelers they did it twice you know twice. back to back uh, in the 70s and then you got the 49ers uh 88 89 and the last uh with the dallas cowboys 92 and 93 and then the denver broncos 97 98 now yeah. uh so you know to win back to back super bowls man uh that's tough that's a tough feet as i just described because teams after you win it the first time uh every time you come in in the second season after winning the super bowl teams say hey uh this is our opportunity to to gauge how good we are because today we're facing the uh super bowl champion and they are the king of the hill so we get an opportunity today to see how good we really are to see if we really want to win a championship this is the measuring stick man so let's go out here and play our best ball. So you always gonna get the team's best effort every time, you know. Target. So to come in and win it back to back, man, I'm like Super Bowl 39. When you know people are gunning for you, people are aiming for you, and you still make it, then that second Super Bowl is really special. There was a lot of rumors leading up to the Super Bowl about Romeo Cornell going to Cleveland and Weiss taking the job at Notre Dame. Did you feel that might hinder the team as far as their preparation? No, because uh, as you can see, uh, you know, uh, they went on and continued to win other Super Bowls. So, um, mm. but no, but you don't want to break the family up. You know, it's always emotional. But I've learned this, that um, you never mix business and your emotions. Uh, you know, you look at boxing, another example. Um, you never, as a boxer, if you ask any boxer, uh, they tell you, you never step into a boxing ring and be emotional because mm-hmm. when you're emotional, you can't think clearly. You're going to make the wrong decision usually nine times out of 10. So you have to step into that match with a clear head, even though, you know, like I said, just look at them when they get into that ring. And I'm going back talking about this, about Romeo and, and Weiss and all that. Uh, but um, when you see those two boxers get in the ring, they're focused, man. Even though it's a high moment, it's a high moment, and you can get really emotional, they are focused. So it's the same thing. You know, you got Romeo Cornell and you got uh, Charlie Weiss, uh, Bill Belichick, you know, those guys won the Super Bowl 38 together and, you know, were together for years. And now the family, you know, is, is being broken up. You know, that's a high moment. 
But at mm. that time, you got to keep the emotions out of it, and we're here for business. Mm. That's right. Yeah, you know, preparation is key. And it seemed like the Patriots were the best at preparing their teams to win. Uh, what do you feel as far as the greatest or who was the hardest receiver to, that you had to match up against? Who was your hardest matchup one-on-one? I always tell people, you know, that, and, you know, this is why I don't like that GOAT thing. You know, people, he's the GOAT. She's the GOAT. You know, they're, they're, they're the GOAT in their own perspective. There are people who are the GOAT in their own shadow, should I say, uh, because, you know, you can't compare, you know, people to people, companies to companies, because the experience is always going to be different. It's always going to be different. You know, when you look at, you know, Jerry Rice, you know, I would hands down to me, in my opinion, you know, Jerry Rice, you know, he is the best receiver that I've ever faced. But is he the best receiver as far as speed that I ever faced? No. Is he the best receiver uh, ever that I faced in route running? Uh, no. But Jerry was able to put all of it together and make it work together. Um, so that would made him so, so great. You know, he was a hard worker. Plus he came from an HBCU. So he mm. came from historical black college and university, but, um, but no, Jerry, I think he's the, he's the best. Uh, now the fastest receiver I ever covered was uh James jet, uh, <laughs> with mm. a man like jet, you know, that guy gotta be fast, but, uh, James jet played with the, uh, uh, at the time, the Oakland Raiders, but he played with the Raiders. Once a Raider, always a Raider. Uh, but um, James Jett was the fastest I ever covered, man. I didn't I don't even think I backpedaled, Ryan. I think I just, you know, I got off about eight yards, man, and I was already, I already had my hips turned. Because <laughs> wow. I'm like, I'm not even going to try to get caught in a foot race with this dude, man. And uh, wow. uh, yeah, he was on the, uh, James Jett was on the, uh, the Olympics. Uh, yeah. One team. Yeah. So mm-hmm. dude can run, man. Now, that, the era you were in with so many great receivers, I know you You mentioned T.O. and Randy Moss, um, you know, Harrison and, and Dwayne, uh, Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce. It's, it was so many. And Joey Galloway, I don't think he's mentioned enough for one of the greatest receivers. Uh, of the 2000s, uh, who, as far as your top receivers that, you, you, in your opinion, that was in the league? Uh, again, that goes back to the point, like I just said, they all, it, it all depends on what you're looking for. You yeah. Know, I, I, I've, I've seen times where they say, um, I, there was an article in one of these magazines and, uh, they said, okay, uh, how to build the perfect quarterback. And then they, they would have like the legs of this person and then the torso of this person, the arm of this person and the head of this person, you know. So I, I think, like you said, all those receivers, depending on what you're looking for, if me talking to me personally, what type of offense am I trying to run? You know, am I trying to run a four wide receiver set or maybe am I trying to go to the traditional West Coast? Um, uh, because I do believe that there are only three types of offenses that we see. Now, we may see different versions of offenses being run today, but they are basically they, all these offenses come from three, in my opinion, three forms of offenses. The West Coast, the run and shoot, are the Air Coriel. Don Coriel used to play with the uh, San Diego Chargers head coach, uh, should I say. Right. And people have taken those systems and they manipulated it and That's built a better mousetrap. But if you look at it, it's either some form of the West Coast offense, the uh, Air Coriel, or the run and shoot. Um, and uh, so each receiver would fit those particular offenses differently. You know, uh, you probably wouldn't need a Randy Moss to play in a West Coast offense, you know, because West Coast offense, we're not really trying to take the top off. You know, we're really – and that's not to say that Randy can't do anything else, you know. Uh, and that's probably why T.O. fit that West Coast offense better because, you know, he was kind of similar to Jerry Rice. And plus he studied, studied up under Jerry Rice. Uh, uh, shoot, I wish I could have studied up under a great defensive back when I came out. You know, Deion yeah. Sanders or Eric Allen or, you know, uh, uh, Nias Williams. I'm like, man, man, yeah. man, I would have been, whew, boy, look at here. I hate to even think about what I could have been like mentally on top of my physical attributes. But no, uh, uh, Marvin Harrison, they all different. 
you know, different, yeah. different skill sets, uh, Reggie Wayne, uh, you know, Larry Fitzgerald. Um, and I, and I even go back to, um, Andre Risen, you know, when I first mm-hmm. came out, Andre Risen, uh, you know, played for the Falcons and, and I thought Andre was very, very, uh, good at route running. You know, he could mm-hmm. actually, actually stop on a dime himself. Um, and, um, you know, but they're all great wide receivers. Chris Carter, you know, Chris Carter, more of a more of a big body uh, possession receiver. But, you know, all he do is catch touchdowns. Isn't that what they say? <laughs> say about Chris Carter, all he does is catch touchdowns. Um, but um, everybody's different. Everybody's yeah. different. You can't really just say this guy's better than this guy. That guy's better than that guy. They just have different skills that fit them and they were able to fit the system that they played in. How hard is it as a corner when you have a quarterback that audibles at the line of scrimmage a lot? I know Manning is very well known for, you know, Omaha and, and changing the calls at the line. As a corner, is it is it certain quarterbacks that you hated playing against that that were just harder to to keep an eye on or peak in, in the backfield? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned about, you know, those quarterbacks that audible because sometimes you can you as a defense, you can get them to audible into something that you want them to uh, do that mm-hmm. now your defense could take advantage of. And I'm glad you made that little moment, that little sigh with that. Hmm, because I'm going to take you back. And we just talked about it, that mm-hmm. those those four downs that we played against the Colts and Peyton Manning was a quarterback. Right. Um, well, I think the reason why Peyton audibilized to that run to Edron James was because William McGinnis lined up on the slot and Peyton trying to read and see if we are man to man or zone. And um, he saw Willie McGinnis had walked out on a slot receiver. So he audibleized to the run to that side because he thought there was a bubble right there. So what I'm trying to say is sometimes, you know, it, you can audibleize and as a defensive player, you can come up with a big play because, you know, so sometimes it's good to play against quarterbacks that audible a lot because you can make them get out of what they truly could hurt you with by giving them making it look like that they can beat you with something else um but uh i just believe football man yeah you're gonna audibleize but you know what this is the play we're gonna run and uh you either gonna stop us or you're not gonna stop us it kind of goes back to the 1960s as i mentioned with the green bay packers they had that sweep they had that sweep and you know it was coming you knew it was coming. Now, you didn't know when it was coming, but you knew it was coming. You got to stop it. You got to mm-hmm. stop it. Kind of like Steve Spurrier. Steve Spurrier said, hey, they got on him about, why are you running up the score? And like I said, people are so sensitive these days, man. Hey, mm-hmm. Steve Spurrier said, it's their job to stop us. I agree with that. Who was the hardest quarterback you faced? Uh, again, that's a question that they all good. Of course, Peyton Manning, um, you know, played with him and played against him, was there his rookie year, uh, played against Tom, um, you know, um, before I came to New England. Um, um, you know, even Cordell Stewart, you know, when he was with Pittsburgh, uh, Cordell kind of, I guess, ushered in. He was kind of before his time, so to speak. You know, he was that athletic quarterback uh, um, who could throw and run, slash, but they gave him the, the, the nickname. Uh, he was hard to defend because at the time, defenses were not equipped, uh, so to speak. Or defensive coordinators were not concentrating on trying to stop an athletic quarterback. So, you know, he would, you know, get big plays. Uh, but, um you know, they all different, man. All all different uh quarterbacks. Okay. And as far as your greatest teammate you've ever played with? Again, that's another question. That's another mm-hmm. answer that is very general and vague because you know they all play uh roles. But I can say this, uh the one guy as far as uh information, uh Carlton Bailey, uh back when I was with mm-hmm. the Carolina Panthers. Um you know, coming from HBCU, Fort Valley State, uh, uh, the Fort Valley State uh, Wildcats. Um, and for those who don't know what Fort Valley is, um, it's in Georgia. <laughs> it's uh, about uh, 25 minutes from Macon, Georgia. But we put out a lot of great guys, Greg Lloyd, um, Eddie Anderson, Eddie Anderson, Rayfield Wright, who played with the Cowboys Hall of Famer. Um, you know, Nick Harper uh, played with the uh, uh, Colts, won the Super Bowl. Ricardo Lockett, you know, Marquette yeah. King. Yes, King. a lot of guys. Yeah. Uh, but Frank Walker. Yeah. Well, Frank Walker went to Tennessee, uh, Tuskegee. 
Tuskegee. Oh, that's right. That's right. Tuskegee. Okay. Yes. yes. Yeah. But, hey, still HBCU. So HBCU yeah. period has put out a lot of great athletes. Uh, but uh, Carlton Bailey, uh, if I could say which guy really, really, really helped me. And uh, there's a coach that also kind of like gave me a little, you know, a little, got a little bit incentive to do better as well, which I'll mention that uh, after I say this. Uh, Carlton Bailey, coming from HBCU, Ryan, man, I'm like, I was aggressive. I'm like, I'm tackling everything that moves, even in practice, man. I'm tackling the guys in practice, and that's a no-no. You know, in the NFL, you're going against your teammates. You know, you're like, come mm. on, man, you don't tackle your teammates. But, mm. hey, at Fort Valley, that's what we did. So I brought that mentality to the NFL. And um, one day, Carlton Bailey came over to me, and he said, hey, young fella, he said, come here for a moment. Now, Carlton Bailey had been maybe in his uh, 11th, 11th year or something like that. And here I am, a rookie. And uh, and Carlton Bailey Bailey played linebacker. He played linebacker with the Buffalo Bills, and then he came to uh, the, uh, the Panthers. Um, and he says, young fella, come here for a moment. Let me talk to you. I said, uh, what's going on, old head? <laughs> so it's funny, you know. I say old head back then as a rookie, but then as I started playing, people called me old head. <laughs> you know? So I said, "What's going on, old head?" He said, "Hey, the name of the game is longevity." He said, "You can't make money in the training room." I'm like, you know, I'm like, man, what are you talking about? This is how I play, man. I play aggressive. I tackle anything that moves, and it didn't happen to me, but I did see what he was talking about. And, um, you know, there was a, a running back that actually was a very good running back. And he got injured uh, towards the end of his uh, contract year. And uh, that team used uh, that injury to negotiate and not pay him what he was worth. You know, mm -hmm. so whenever people heard Dion say, hey, this is a business decision, you know, I see what that means now. The NFL, it's a game, but it's a business. Um, so Carlton Bailey would probably be, you know, one of the, the people that I would say, hey, you know, he was a teammate, man. And, you know, I really learned a lot from him. And he taught me, you know, the game, so to speak, from the financial side. Uh, Eric Davis uh, really helped me a lot with trying to clean up my technique. Um, you know, of course, he played with Dion and everything like that, the 49ers. But um, Ray Rose. Ray Rose, Ray mm. Bob, they call Ray Bob. Uh, Ray, Coach Rose, uh, he, he was the one that actually um, helped me find my game again. And when I say find my game again, you know, coming out of Fort Valley, you know, um, man, it was all man to man and everything like that. And when I got to Denver, that's where Ray Bob, he was the defense coordinator. You know, he he pulled me to the side, man, and. Uh, you know, in his own, you know, unique way of saying stuff, you know, saying things, you know, he just told me, get out there, play my game, man. Play like I played when I was in Fort Valley. And bam, you know, um, I, yeah, it was, it was, it was good. So, you know, everything was situation, teams. I enjoyed Carolina, Indianapolis, the Patriots, you know, coaches, players, everybody played a role and everybody does play a role in all of our lives. So I don't think you should just pinpoint one person. I think everybody played, uh, you know, gave a penny, a penny. Everybody gave a penny to create that dollar. So uh, nice. one person. How much did it mean to you to have the recognition from your peers? I know your tandem with you and Law were mentioned as on the NFL Network's greatest tandems in the league, honorable mention. Um, did you know that and how how much that means you get recognized by your peers? Uh, you know, yes, I did happen to see that, um, you know, the episode. And, you know, when you talk about the greatest tandems, man, that was that was awesome. Huge. It was awesome, yeah. man. Huge, man. You got, you know, I, I grew up watching the dog pound, the Cleveland Browns, man. Frank Minifield, Hanford Dixon, man. I'm like, them dudes mm. there, man, they used to lock it down, man. And, you know, so – um, and then, of course, you know, they talk about Dion and whoever else is on the other side. <laughs> so that thing was funny. Yeah, so, but, uh, but yeah, you know, to get mentioned like that, man, you know, that was that was awesome. But like I said, you know, that 03 season, uh, that's all we did was play man to man. And I think that's how you get recognized. You get recognized yeah. when you're able to play man to man. Yeah, you guys had a great I mean, that secondary, I think, is legendary with you. Harrison, uh, Eugene Wilson, and Ty Law, uh, lockdown, 
lockdown, man. It was, it was you guys had a good mix. That whole defense, uh, you know, Roman Pfeiffer, um, like you said, Ted Washington, uh, I think it was uh, Teddy Bruschi. Yes. Yeah, it's just just a solid core, man. I mean, it's it's legendary unit that would go down in, in infamy, man. Definitely. Um, now, lastly, Tyrone, if you could sit and have dinner with two people dead or alive, who would they be? Ooh, well, of course, you know, my uh, savior, uh, you know, uh, if I could sit down with Jesus and just, you know, be at the table. <laughs> That's right. That'd be number one. Uh, you know, this is my life. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's, um, uh, man, I had to think on this one here, man, uh, because wh- whoever I sit down with, the main mm-hmm. thing that I would want to receive is wisdom, wisdom. Because if you can get wisdom and then apply uh, what you've learned, um, then you would be great. Um, the person that I would want to sit down with would have to be a person that um, their armor, their armor. When I say armor, you got like, you know, people say knights and shining armor. You know, I don't want somebody who hasn't gone through anything. I want to sit down with somebody who has gone through hell. Somebody has overcome. So give me that person that his armor is 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 it got dents in it and you know it's bruised and they still able to sit there and and, and tell how they made it. That's how that's the person I want to sit down and talk to because the reason why I say that is because life is 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 opportunist. Life is an opportunist. It's gonna give somebody five years from now the same opportunity or the same type of uh, adversity is going to come now and into the future. So that's why when I say I want to sit down with somebody with wisdom, somebody who has gone through and they can tell me the principles of how they overcame and the principles of how they messed up, because I know mm-hmm. that there's no temptation, trial or test is not coming to none, none of us. And the reason why we fail is because we are not hanging around the right people that can give us wisdom. And, mm-hmm. uh, Cause with wisdom and understanding, like I said, knowledge and the proper use wins battles. Now I'm not perfect, but I know I'm striving for excellence. And if I can do that, then I know I'll cross my finish line. Like Usain Bolt with my mm-hmm. hands up in the air every time. Did you ever get a chance to on to meet uh, Eddie Robinson? Uh, no, no, no. But I've talked to people who have played with him, uh, Doug Williams. And, you know, yeah. you, you hear the, the, you know, even though I did not, uh, have an opportunity to 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 to, to talk to um, you know Eddie, a great coach at Grambling, but the people that he influenced, they took some of his principles, and his principles of living are still living today. So to actually sit down and talk with people that played at Grambling, like I said, Doug Williams, one of them, and you know other people, then you get opportunity to hear uh, Eddie Robinson speak through them, even though he's no longer around. Yeah, legendary coach. I know I have Willie Rofon. He said he was he was a, just a great mind just to, to talk to, man. Just a great coach that, that doesn't get enough love and recognition. Even though he does, I don't, I don't think he gets enough. Yes, that is true. Well, thank you, uh, Mr. Poole, man, for coming on and just dropping the knowledge with my audience and just just your energy, man. I, I love it, man. And, and just giving our, our, the whole insight on your opinion on everything that you went through in your career i appreciate it ron appreciate the opportunity we finally got together man you know i know yeah. we're busy people man and you know uh, i'm out doing my you know uh motivational books and you know work that thing and everything trying to get people to understand that hey you know uh, work that thing whatever it is that you want in life you know uh don't let it hinder you don't let it stop you if you again use knowledge and wisdom and understanding you work that you work that thing. You will, like I said, cross that finish line. And uh, you know, so just trying to motivate people, whether through my book, you know, ultimate success in the game of life. Um, you know, just trying to do what I can, man. And like I said, I'm not perfect, but I'm just trying to give people the purity of 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 the things that I can. And none of us are perfect. Let's just be clear with it. But um, you know, there are some people out there who, uh, if the light was shine on them, you know. It, we will see that we're all the same, but mm. I've learned that the higher you are, uh, the more the light is shown and, you know, it shine on you. Uh, but at the end of the day, I also learned that we are all on the same stick. 
the same stick of health, the same stick of relationships, the same stick of finances, the same stick of just wanting to be the best. The only difference is where are you on that stick? You know, are you just trying to start out in your finances or have you already established your finances? I always I close with this. I tell people that, you know, no, it doesn't matter who it is. Uh, the most rich person in this world or the person who has barely two nickels to rub together. They both got the same financial problems. Mm. Some people may say, what? Can't be. Yes, they are. The only difference is one is trying to find out who's taking it, who's stealing it. And the other one is trying to find out where they can go get it and who they can get it from. So uh, but they both on the same financial stick. Now, Mr. Poole, let our audience know. Uh, I know I follow your, it's just the Tyrone Poole um, channel on YouTube. Just great insight on your, just like you said, your, your speaking. You had a couple of uh, really good uh, commencement speeches you've given and just good uh, motivation overall. But let our audience know any way they can support and follow your work as far as your, your social media. Yeah, thank you, Ryan, for that. Uh, actually, you know, if you're looking for a speaker, you're looking for a motivator, if you got an event, uh, no matter no matter what the event is, uh, you know, it could be a, 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 a business, it could be, uh, you know, any type of uh, higher learning uh, institution. Um, you know, if there's motivation, uh, direction um, that needs to be given, then, hey, I'm your person. Uh, you can go to... Uh, uh, Tyrone Pool uh, 38 on all social media. Tyrone Pool 38 on all social media, uh, or you know my email is info at tyronepool.com. Uh, info at tyronepool.com. Um, and again, um, I'm all about just trying to uh, help right the ship, but um, the ship can only be done if everything or fixed, if everything is done right. Um, you know, I'm not a left person or right person. I'm a in the middle person. So, you know, yeah. if we all can come together, it's just like a zipper, a zipper on your pants. You got the left side of the zipper and the right side of the zipper. But when that zipper in the middle, the, 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 the thing in the middle is pulled in the right direction, it brings everything together and it fills mm. everything up. So that's what I'm all about. All right, man. Thank you again for coming on a rational hour. And and uh, we'll help to be one day down the line. Man, I appreciate it, Ryan. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Tyrone Poole, ladies and gentlemen, Rational Hour, out. <laughs>